Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Well, good morning, Lifehouse family. How's everyone doing today? So good to see you here. Part three, new words for a new year, to see a new you. How is everybody's New Year's goals coming along? Y'all killing them? All two of you. Okay, we have a seven-year-old killing it right, right there. We need to give it up for them. He's probably doing better than, than all of us. <laughs> so, uh, so good to see you here today. Two things really, really quick. First off, uh, we have First Friday coming up this coming Friday. If you are somewhat new here, if you've never been to a First Friday, we want to simply invite you out. Uh, first Friday is a time of dinner and basically getting to, to meet and know our leaders here at LifeHouse. We give you more information about LifeHouse and also give you the opportunity to ask questions and things like that. And so if you are interested in knowing more about our church, we have free childcare, food for you, and stuff like that. Come on out, sign up. You can sign up by simply texting 757-755-4759. We would love for you to come and hang out with us this coming Friday. Secondly, next week we are starting a brand new series called Let's Talk About It. It. Let's talk about it. We're going to talk about dating, marriage, relationships, um, stuff I'm sure none of you care about at all. Um, but man, it, you know, it's like, we're going to talk about it. Why? Because the church needs to talk about it. Marriages, 50% of them make it. Even Christian marriages, right? Relationships are hard. Have you noticed that? It's complicated, right? Like, like, you know, and, and what I feel is the church needs to speak about stuff that you are dealing with and stuff that you are currently walking through, and, and really that the Bible talks a lot about. So next week, we're going to start a brand new series called Let's Talk About It. We're going to talk about it. This will be a perfect series. If, if you have friends or family members that are struggling maritally, struggling in their relationships, this would be the series to not just invite them, but be like, hey, I'll buy you brunch afterwards. You need to come to church. Uh, and honestly, I believe this series is, is going to really help so many people. And uh, so we're going to be talking about that next week. But today we're going to finish out part three of New Words for New Year to see a new you. As Christian said, the first word, or the, the, the first word that we checked out was the word no about developing the power to say no. What would change in your life if you had the power to say no to somebody or something? The second word, last week we talked about this word process. In our culture of instant, we have instant everything. We serve a God of the process and how the change you want to see happen this coming year probably won't be instantaneous, but it will be you participating in and changing through a process. Now the third word today that we're going to look at and talk about is this word legacy. 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 Legacy simply means what you're going to leave behind. And really, it's not about whether you're going to leave a legacy. The question is what kind of legacy are you going to leave? 
Funerals aren't the most joyous places. Um, they're not places that we typically go because we want to be there. But we typically go to funerals um, because somebody passed. And typically at the funeral, it's talked about that person, what kind of person they were, what they accomplished, what they left behind, the good qualities about them. But funerals, they're not really joyous places, but they are, for me personally, and doing funerals and things like that, they are moments and opportunities for us to think about the fact of one day we're going to be there. Welcome to Lifehouse. Think about death. It's going to be a great day, right? <laughs> but, but it's like thinking about one day you are going to have a funeral. And at your funeral, what do you want to be said about you? What do you want to be remembered for? And is whatever you, you answered in your mind there is the way you're living right now consistent with what you want to be said about you and what you want to be remembered for? I believe that word legacy has the power for us to help us examine and think about the way we're living right now. But it also has the power to propel us and empower us to see the kinds of changes that we want to see. Why? Because you realize how you live right now matters. The habits you're forming right now matter. How you are living right now is impacting somebody or something. It's not if you're going to leave a legacy, it is what kind of legacy are you going to leave. Let's just be honest though, right now we live in a culture of you do you, boo-boo. You do you. Live for the moment. Live it up as hard and fast and wild and crazy and selfish as you possibly can. Why? Because it's all about you. It's all about you. It says do as much, have as much fun, buy as many things, get as many experiences as you can get now because, yeah, the bottom line, you only live once. And, yes, that is, that is definitely true. But at the same time, you only live once, but your legacy lasts forever. And I think we live in, in a culture that is more concerned about having a good time than leaving a great legacy. Let me say that one more time. We live in a culture where people are more concerned about just having a good time than leaving a good legacy and actually thinking about what we do right now, the way we live right now is going to leave an impact in people's lives beyond us. So the bottom line is this. My challenge for us today is to help you adopt and to help you develop a legacy mindset. Because some of you here, you're so locked into here that you can't see the choices and decisions that you are currently making and currently doing are going to outlast you. And they're not just going to affect you, they're going to affect the people that you love the most. And honestly, one of the greatest tools that I have seen change people's lives is when they 
realize whatever they're battling, whether it's an addiction that they're battling, whether it's, it's a financial struggle that they are battling, one of the greatest things that I have seen influence people to see immediate change is realizing if they don't fix this, if they don't deal with this, they're going to pass it down and give it to the people that they love most. And some of you have been there. You are the product of somebody's messed up legacy. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was somebody that really influenced you where they battled something and you realize you're battling the same dang thing they battled and you didn't even want to. You didn't even want what they had, but because you were close to them, it, it influenced you and now you're battling it too. Where's my dad at? Is my dad here? Hey, Pop, stand up for me. This is my dad. This is my pops. This is my guy here. He's a Dallas Cowboy fan, so y'all can pray for him. He's, he's still mourning the loss. A couple weeks back, he was convinced, man, that they were going to be, you know, Super Bowl champs, and Dak was going to be the MVP, and, and they, they thought they had a real good defense. But, um, but yeah, sorry, we won't talk about that no more. But, um, you know, I used to joke on this guy like crazy, right, because he had the dumbest laugh I've ever heard. And you know this, right? We always joke, joked yeah. on you, you know? And, and it's not like, you know, it, it was just like this, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. He used to be like, <laughs> and, you know, I always used to joke on him, you know, and joke to his face and behind his back, you know, and, uh, you know, but it, it, it was like, it was funny, you know? Can you do your face? Which one? Kurt? When uh, no. Yeah. I'm not going to joke on him right now. No, don't give him a mic. <laughs> You crazy? No. No, right. No, I'm not doing Dad. Dad. This is a sermon illustration. Just just walk with me, okay? Um, so you know, I grew up with this 18 years in the house, right? Always seeing when dad would laugh, you know, he would sit up. And um, so whenever I left the house and you know, I was 17, 18 years old, went to college, you know, and um, I realized one day I was with some friends, and um, they said something funny. Did you turn my mic off? You're fired. Get out. I'm scared. But I laughed, and I went, <laughs> "No!" It was like what was passed down to me. I didn't even want it. I didn't want to laugh like that, but because I was near his influence, because I was in his vicinity my whole life growing up, there were particular things like his laugh I picked up that I didn't even want. And honestly, some of y'all are right there. You, thank you, Dad. I love you. I love you too. The good guy right, right here, he is single and looking, single and ready to mingle. Was it 55 to 70-year-olds? Okay, just throwing it out there. He's a good man. But you realize, the y'all know the impact of legacy because you've experienced it. Whether it's good things or bad things that have been passed down to you, you know the effect of it. We don't need science for that. I don't need to give you a stat. But we know if your parents struggle with some sort habit, hurt, hang up, 
alcohol, maybe you know you're battling alcohol because your parents battled alcohol. If there's a culture in your family of divorce, there's a reason why your first reaction whenever things aren't going great, cut it. Why? Because you, you, you saw it played out. And that was the legacy that was passed down to you. And so here's, here's the thing, guys. Like, I, I don't have to give you science. I don't have to give you none of that. But, I, I, but we, we know the impact and power of influence, of legacy, of things being handed down to us that then we have to wrestle with. And we've got to say, okay, how are we going to deal with this? I, you know, so, you know, but the crazy thing is the Bible speaks a lot about this concept of legacy. We, God is a legacy God where, where, honestly, his whole plan was for generation to pass down to each generation a legacy of godliness. You can see he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What, what is that saying? Generation from generation to generation is passing down, giving a legacy of godliness. God is a legacy God. Even the church, even Christ followers are the product of a legacy God, of a God. And we're going to talk about this further later on, but Jesus's legacy is the church where we are now living in something that was passed down to us because Jesus died on the cross in our place and for our sins and began a movement to see the world, to, that the world would be impacted by the church, his legacy, so people would know who God is and what God's like. We serve a legacy God. I want to talk to you quickly today about four quick things about legacy found in Hebrews 12, we're going to turn, turn there. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. It says this here. It says, therefore, and you have to ask if there's a therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? Right? Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Like I said, you've got to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? In, Hebrew, in the previous chapter, in Hebrews 11, we, we see what is called, in Bible terms, the hall of faith, where it's like the hall of fame of the people of faith, where it lists all of these people in biblical history that accomplished incredible things for God. It talks about Noah and, and how dude had enough faith to build a boat because it was going to rain when the dude hadn't even seen rain, right? Like you got um, Abraham who left his comfort and left his home country and went and followed God to some foreign country because God had given him a promise. It talks about David and how David fought the, the, the giant. It talks about Daniel in the lion's den, shutting the mouths of lions. Like it talks about all of these people of faith that did incredible things for God. And then it goes into chapter 12 and it says, yo, therefore, since we're surrounded by this big 
crowd of witnesses. And what I want you to kind of picture is think about a mega stadium. Think about Dallas Cowboys Stadium, right? Just filled with hundreds and thousands and millions of people that have come before you that walked in the faith, that followed God and finished their race well, they are now up there cheering on this generation of Christ followers saying, let's go. We finished, you can finish too. I can just imagine Noah up there telling some of us today, look, I know what you think you're doing is worthless. I know what you think, that you're doing all of this work and you're not, seeing any, you're not seeing any results from it. I want to encourage you, keep on doing the right things for a long amount of time. Why? Because I did that. And you know what? When God said it was going to actually rain, it rained. And I'm glad I did what I did right? You got David saying, look, I know you've got giants in your life that you feel like you can't get. I know you've got giants that seem insurmountable, but David would tell you today, look, you get those five stones. You get God's word. You get something. You stand up to that giant, and you'd show him who's boss. Say, yeah, I might be small in stature, but I have a God that's, that's powerful. And you speak to your giant and say, don't speak about how big your giant is. Speak to your giant about how big your God is. You have a whole roster a whole crowd of people encouraging you, imploring you, exhorting you, saying, we did it. You can do it. God is faithful. We've seen it in the past. He wants to be faithful to you right now. And that's whenever it says this big cloud of witnesses surrounds us. I believe that, that they are up there cheering you on. They are saying there's a book written about us that showed the faithfulness of God. And what it's shouting at us is it's shouting at us, look, we ran our part of the race, and now we're up in heaven chilling with Jesus. We got the reward. But now it's saying, hey, look, we've passed the baton to you. To this generation. That, that now we're called to run our part of the race. We are now, we have been passed the baton of faith from this whole hall of faith from these studs that are now up in heaven that follow God and did their, they weren't perfect. Good God, they weren't perfect. But they ran their race and they did their thing and now they've passed on to us the legacy of faith. And I believe this is the first part that we've got to see about us living a legacy life. You've got to realize the baton is in your hand. Sorry, I'm too, take it back got to realize because y'all this is the big lie the big lie is you're in a singular one person 100 meter sprint and that's what life is all about you you just got one sprint just go as hard and fast as you can when that is the big lie what we see in this verse is that we are in a big divine relay race of people passing down to us a baton saying we did our part now it's time for you to do your part we are not in a singular 100-meter sprint. We are in this big, God-divine-like relay race where how you run your part is going to determine how well those after you run theirs. Think about a 4x4, 800 relay, whatever, right? Where you've got team members that are running their part of, of that race, and how the team does is dependent on how each person does their part. And what I believe are, 
our generation has done, unfortunately, many times as the church is we've been handed the baton and we like, yo, let's go get some McDonald's. Let's sit down and just play some video games. Let's sit down and let's just wait until Jesus comes back. Let's just hold the fort down. Maranatha, you know? When I can see the people in the crowd like, get up. What are you doing? You've got a race to run. You're wasting your time on what? You're doing what? Like, you don't need to get up and run the race. And it's like, I just feel like we've bought into this whole lie that what we do doesn't affect nothing. When honestly, how we run our part of the race will set up and determine how well those after us run their part. And this can be applied so many ways, practically, spiritually, family, whatever, but specifically spiritually, y'all. This generation, Christians in this generation have been given the mandate to take the gospel and run with it as hard and fast as we can. But let's just be honest, man. If, if we were to say, hey, how well, are, how well are we running our part? I don't know. It's, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud, it says this, though. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Think about track runners. They look like they're in lingerie. Yeah, you. They, they look like they're in their underwear. And like, they got the tights on. They got the shoes that pretty much are like they're like, it's like shoes. It's like they're just like running bare, barefoot. Like why? What are they trying to do? They're trying to get off anything that could possibly resist them from running any sort faster. Like they're trying to get any hindrance off. They're trying to get any wind resistance, anything that could possibly catch wind on them off. Why? Because they realize extra weight hinders their speed. Any extra weight hinders their speed. We've got a generation of people like, all right, we're going to run this race. No, I can't do this. I'm going to end up breaking, breaking something. No, I'm just kidding. I can bring the keyboard. But it's like we have a, a generation basically saying, hey, how much sin can I put on me? How much weight can I put on me to run the race? When it's like, dude, you know, you know what it says here? The, we're, we're called the... throw it off called to throw throw off it says sin that so easily and or it says sin and then it says everything that hinders it better be jesus brother i'm just kidding <laughs> think about it though there are things in life that are sin and then there's this things in life that are stupid that honestly hinder us. There are things in life that aren't sin, they're just stupid, and they hinder you. If, 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 if someone came up to me, is it a sin to eat a lawnmower? Bro, I don't see nothing in this book that says thou shalt not eat a lawnmower. Is it stupid? <laughs> 
yep. Come, come to Lifehouse. We'll get you some food. We'll buy you some gift cards or something. All right, we'll make sure you eat some, right? But the point is, though, there are some things that are hindering you that aren't sin, but they're stupid. Like you're spending your money on stupid things. You're thinking about impressing people that you don't even like that are hindering your walk with Christ. There are ways that you are spending your time that it's literally like flushing it down a toilet. TV, I, you, know, here's the, you know, I hate saying stuff like this because, oh, Pastor John, if I ever see him watching TV, I'm going to tell him he's wasting his time. You know, it's like, you know, look, y'all, like, I'm not trying to be legalistic here. I'm just trying to get you to introspectively look at your life to say, are you running the race that God has given you as fast and quick and weightless as you possibly can? Why? Because the baton is in your hand, and one day you will pass the baton on to someone else. And here's the thing. I know some of you think, well, I don't, I don't have kids, so I'm, I'm good. No, because that's what, that's what we always think. We always think in terms of of legacy equals kids, which, defi- which is definitely true. But at the same time, you know John Maxwell, he's a big leadership guru guy. He paid this big firm to do this whole study talking about, he said the average human being in their lifetime will influence 10,000 people, directly or indirectly. So it's not just about kids passing down a legacy to your kids. It's about passing a legacy of influence with those you work with your friends, whatever sort of networks that you are currently in, you are passing down to them, you're passing on to them who you are. And, and, and so, so look, we, we've got to say what in our lives is sin and stupid and how are we going to take it and throw it off? Really, legacy living means this. We deal with our stuff so future generations don't have to. Because some of y'all got stuff in your life that you know either your parents gave it to you, you're battling by yourself, and you're just thinking, oh, I'll get through it over time. No, you won't. I love you. But you need to seek help. You need to get help. You need to have enough courage to confront your stuff, and the courage to confront your stuff is to say, I need help. So you don't take your stuff and pass it on to people you love. Why? Because you reproduce and pass on who you are, not who you pretend to be. And so many parents do this. Well, I'm just going to keep this from my kid. No, you won't. Your kids ain't dumb. I love my dad. Whenever he was trying to stop smoking, which he did, he would always go outside, and I'm like, Dad, where are you going? I'm going to feed the squirrels, son. I was like, Dad, I want to go feed the squirrels. I want to go feed them. Because I know, son, they, they only take food from me. Well, I want to go. <laughs> That's funny, Dad. But the thing is, you're going to reproduce who you are, not who you pretend to be. And some of us, You can start a new legacy simply by dealing with your stuff and getting help and not being ashamed. Y'all, we want to know at this church, if you're perfect, we're going to kick you out. (laughs) Your unperfect, jacked up, messed up self is welcome here. It's okay not to be okay. But at the same time, it's not okay to stay not okay. 
Like we, we want to get you help. We want to let you know in Christ there is freedom. In Christ there is hope. In Christ there is the power to start a new legacy where you don't have to pass on hurt and brokenness, divorce, and this whole jacked up life. You can pass on a legacy of hope, purpose, fidelity, rightness, good care. Like there, Christ gives you the power to start a new legacy. He, he does. You reproduce who you are, not who you pretend to be. So deal with your stuff. It goes on here. It says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on what other people think. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Legacy living means we live for an audience of one. We live for an audience of one. You switch your focus from what does the world deem important. We need to pray for you. You're coughing up here. Um, you switch your focus from what does the world deem important to what is important to Jesus. And you stop living for, for what culture says is important for you and your family. And you start living for what Jesus deems important. That's why I've said in the warehouse, my three boys, Jackson, Judah, and Dallas, you've probably heard this whole scripture, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Essentially saying, you're going to love Jesus, bro. You're going to love Jesus. All right? You're going to love Jesus. Now, look, the bottom line, and that's what I said, as for the warehouse, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, look, there's a difference between f- forcing and influencing. I would never force my kids to serve God. There's never going to be this, Jackson, you better become a Christian or else you're out of here. And he's like 13 years old and I throw him out on the street, right? I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I can't, I can't give him my faith. He's got to develop his own faith. He's got to understand who Jesus is, what Jesus did for him, and make that decision on his own. Now, am I going to influence him? You're daggone right. He's going to be going to church. Sundays, church. Youth group, when he gets old enough, yep. You got practice going on? Sorry, practice. He's going to church. Why? Because I want my kids to know that faith is important. Because, y'all, if you are half-hearted about it, don't be surprised when your kids are. And that's what I'm... I'm saying that's where we've got to be careful of just saying, I want my kid to be the smartest, fastest, most athletic, all of this stuff. And you pass down to them all of these good things, but leave out the best thing. And that is a relationship with their creator that gives them hope and purpose and a solid identity to build their life on. If you pass anything on down to your to your kids besides a solid faith in Jesus, you're building on sand and not solid rock. So my my employment to you is, y'all, parents out there, make your faith a priority, not just for your kids, but as your kids see. Look, I, you know, I know Jackson. He's getting to this point where he kind of knows what he kind of knows what his dad does. Where it's like he's 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 like, oh, dad's a pastor, so he's watching me harder now. He's got his eyes on me, and I have been encouraged, or I have been 
wrestling with, John, you know, this, this isn't something that you get up and do on a Sunday. This is about, right, not who you fake to be. And I'm not saying I'm faking, but it's, it's like I want him to see a legit, real, true, I'm not just a pastor, I'm a Christ follower. That I, I just don't do this to make money. I do this because it's who we are. But it's going to happen whenever we switch our priorities because, y'all, if we give in to what culture deems important, faith will be pushed out. It will always be the last option. It will always be the thing that whenever you get tired, whenever, you know, it's a rainy day outside, it's, oh, you know what, we're just going to lay in bed and we're just, we're just going to pray to the Lord with our eyes closed, unconscious. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> so my employment is, guys, fix your eyes on Jesus. What's important to him? Focus on that first. First Corinthians 15, 58 says this, throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Lastly, living a legacy life means, let me get my notes here, we live with the future in mind. Basically saying what you do now is going to last beyond you. Think about what this scripture said here. It said, for the joy set before him and him being Jesus, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and scorned its shame. You know why Jesus did that? He didn't do it to have a good reputation. You know why Jesus died on the cross? He died for you sitting in this room right now. He lived his life with you in mind. He lived his life on the cross thinking about you and your soul today. He lived his life knowing his pain would be your wholeness. He lived his life knowing him being condemned would mean you being saved. Jesus lived a life of legacy, of saying, I know what my actions are going to accomplish beyond me. What if we had a church as a whole and people individually that, that said, man, that realized the power of what we do and how we live now has the power to outlast us and produce something even greater than what we even thought or thought of in this time period. Y'all, do you know this church is a byproduct of somebody's legacy? This church didn't, didn't just happen. The dream that God put in Kristen and I's heart came from, came from somewhere. Lacey and I, my, my sister, we sat down and just kind of talked about the influence of our, our mother. And we decided to record it. And so briefly, I want to share with you a video that talks about the legacy impact that the, my mom had on, on my sister and I. Check this out. It's so weird to be right here in this room where we grew up and to think this is also the place where like mom had an encounter with God that forever changed the course of our family's life. Right in a recliner, watching Jimmy Swagger, like she gave her heart. Our, Our family's legacy of faith started right here in this room. It was a seismic shift. I mean, it was a 180, it, it, it was, I mean, she got radically saved. Like the Holy Spirit just changed her. 
I mean, immediately just, I mean, started serving in preschool, um, became the preschool director. Every time the doors were open, we were there. We were the ones staying late, cleaning up everything, making sure every table was put away, every chair was put away. And I mean, she just, she, she, she really poured her life and gave her life into the church. She was all in and we were all in with her. Just the way that she tried to make us love God, even as kids, like when she would, you know, put plaques of scriptures right here on this mantle and then pay us <laughs> to learn scripture. I mean, you know, <laughs> clearly we were motivated by money and I don't know about you, but I still know a lot of those scriptures today. And it's like, she just sowed seeds into us as kids. She was so good at sowing those seeds into us as kids. And I'm grateful. I hope I'm like that someday with my own kids. But, you know, I, I also too remember <clears throat> that when, you know, we went to a Christian school growing up and one of the things that, that she would, that, that I distinctly remember her always praying is I pray that John would become a leader. And I remember being like, mom, I don't want to be a leader. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop praying that. And I just think how crazy it is that at 13 years old, she saw a calling on my life to dance. And as random as that is, how could someone let their 13-year-old move to Florida on their own to pursue their dreams? Blows my mind to still think of that. But again, she wasn't conventional. She believed what God said to her, and she took the leap of faith and put us in God's hands. Yeah, you know, she was always really intentional about getting us into environments where we could experience God, whether that was youth group trips, whether that was kids, kids events, anything related to Failure's books, music. If, if we had any desire for any of that, she made sure she provided that. To her, the most important thing that she could give her kids was the opportunity to pursue a relationship with God. Her goal in it all was for us to love and serve Jesus. And she, she would do anything she possibly could to see that happen. Because I think she knew ultimately, if we achieved anything in life without a foundation of faith, that it was building on, a, like it was building on sand of what, of what Jesus said. It was a bad foundation that we could achieve and we could get success and stuff like that. But if we didn't have a foundation of faith and love and hope and purpose and a right relationship with God, that it, it, it ultimately was purposeless. So, so she saw that my main goal as a parent is I want them to love and serve Jesus first. And whatever she had to do, she did that. You know, near the end when the doctor told her that she had eight months to a year to live, I remember she looked straight at the doctor and she said, whether I live or die, I win. And that's when I knew that she knew that her, that everything that she had done up until this point, her legacy, that she was, um, investing in us that she wins either she's gonna stay here and continue or she's going to continue in heaven and now that she is in heaven I just see her as part of the great cloud of witnesses cheering us on 
Absolutely. Here at Lifehouse every Sunday. And I just can't imagine how excited she would be and happy she would be to look around and see what has happened yeah. through the efforts and the, and the vision and the calling of her kids. You know, part of me wishes that mom was here to see, you know, what God is doing in and through Lifehouse Church and just all that God's, the, the God's doing, you know, but, um, you know, really, you know, but at the same time knowing that really a lot of what is going on here is because of her, her effect and legacy effect and in, in our lives and kind of in our lives and through our lives too. You know, and just, just how the little things she did over a long period of time yeah. in our lives. Even so much so, you know, one of the things that I do with my kids on the way to school with Jackson and Judah now, what I'm praying over them as we're going to school, I am praying heaven over them and, and praying God, I, I pray that you know, the, you would fill them with the Holy Spirit, that they would feel the hand and power of a, of a powerful and mighty God on their lives. And when I think of mom, I always think of just how generous that she was, whether it be giving to the SPCA or the homeless man on the street or her church, my gosh, the amount that she gave of her time, talent, and treasure um, to the local church. I mean, that's the kind of open hand living that I'm still yeah. and pray to God that I have like her. Yeah. And so, but I just think, you know, those are the, the little things done over a long period of time that make a big difference that mom knew that yeah. we didn't know at the time. And really, I just think Lifehouse overall, in many ways, is kind of a dream within her dream. You know, like her dream was for us to love and serve, was for us to love and serve Jesus. And, you know, um, you know, kind of through her dream of wanting us to love and serve Jesus, to love and serve Jesus, the dream in our hearts to start Lifehouse is just really a dream within the dream that she had for us. And really, I think the challenge for us is is to think about what we do on a daily basis, the the little things we do, done over a long period of time in our kids' lives, in our finances, in our spiritual lives, in our marriages, like in our relationships, all of those things done over a long period of time can have a legacy type effect. And, you know, cause we, we I think we, we just got to see what we do now matters. Yeah. And it's not just about us, but it outlasts us. And then what we can do now, it does outlast us. And when we live life with a legacy effect and with a legacy mindset, it affects what we do now. And I just think that, the, that there was no better person that really embodied that than mom. You know, I don't think my mom had any idea that when she was praying over her kids and when she was paying us to learn Bible verses, <laughs> she was doing all of those things, intentionally investing into us, had any idea about what God would do. None. It probably seemed insignificant at her point. It was probably to her just like, she had no idea. But that's the power of legacy, is you don't know what the investment that you're doing and what you're pouring into somebody or pouring into yourself can have when you pass it down. And so y'all, this church in many ways is a byproduct of what was invested into me by 
by her and my dad and, and, and by, do you guys see what I'm saying? But my thing is, is what sort of legacy effect can you have? Who has God entrusted to you? Who has God given you to pour into? Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's people at your job, whatever influences that God has given you, the, the legacy type effect that you can have on them. And it's, it's by a bunch of little things done over a long period of time will make a big difference. You just gotta give it enough time. And, and so look, the challenge for us today, the challenge for us today is my heart and goal in this whole message and in this whole new word for a brand new year, blah, 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 is for you to get a legacy mindset. For you to see you're gonna pass it down. And the, since you're gonna pass it down, not the fake you, the real you, that my prayer is that you would gain a legacy mindset, a legacy heart that would empower you to see things change right now, knowing that it will be passed down. And that through that, our church will pass a legacy of faith on to the next generation, to the influences around us. Maybe today you need to realize the baton is in your hands. You've been living life willy-nilly, whatever, all about you, a single 100-meter sprint race, not realizing what you do matters. Maybe you need to deal with your stuff. Maybe you've got issues and stuff that you're trying to hide, but you're not trying to pass on, but you'll always pass on who you are, not who you pretend to be. Thirdly, maybe you need to switch your focus from you're living for what matters to this culture. You need to switch and say, I'm going to start living for what matters in this, for what matters to Jesus. Fourthly, you're only living now. It's like you need to live with the future in mind, knowing the little things you do over a long period of time will make a big difference. Stand up with me, church. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to... Really, really quick. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just, I just want to create a time of privacy right now, really, really quick. I said to you earlier, you can start a new legacy today. You can start a new path. You can have a fresh start today. And that's what I think many of you need need to hear. It's not too late. I know you, you, you're beating yourself up or didn't confer for different kinds of things, things you would have done differently. You're thinking about what you, what you could have done, should have, would have, could have, should have. I'm telling you today, you can start fresh and you can start new and you can start a new direction and a new path by God's grace, for God's glory, for God's fame, and for your good that will leave a generation of hope, love, life, and legacy to the family behind you, people behind you, people that you influence. But it starts with the decision to serve Jesus. It starts with the decision to give your life to God and say, God, I need a fresh start. I need you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, John, today I need to make a decision a decision to commit my life to Jesus. Maybe you did it a while back, but today you need to make a fresh commitment. You need a fresh start. Possibly you've never even made a decision to follow Jesus. And you wanna have that same encounter the the Sharon, my mom had of saying, you were changed in a moment's instance. I believe today if you step out in faith and you simply raise your hand up in a few moments, that God will give you a fresh start. He will give you something brand brand new and you will be able on the pathway of beginning a brand new legacy for your family with every head bowed every eye closed if, if you say john i want a fresh start today with god i'm just going to ask you to do one simple step of faith every head bowed every eye closed if when i count to three just take one of your hands left right whatever would you just shoot it up just, just so i can somewhat maybe see who you are so i can know who i'm 
praying for. If you want a fresh start with God, when I count to three, shoot your hand up. Ready? One, two, three. Anyone here? Anyone here? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Could you just hold it up for me? Hi, 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 hi. I want to see who you are. Ushers, can you just go and give them one of those cards? If you would, if, if you would keep those hands up. The ushers are going to come and give you a card, and I'm going to give you instruction on that in just one second. Keep it up, though, until somebody gives you a card. Until someone gives you a card. We got one right at the front row here, a couple down at the front here. If you could just give, give those out, I would appreciate it. This is what we're going to do, Lifehouse family. We're going to join in prayer with those today committing their life to, to Jesus and making this decision and making this choice. And, I, and man, we're going to celebrate. And we're going to say, you know what, we are in you. We are in with you in this brand new journey that you're starting today. So look, if everyone could, we're going to join in and join with those saying, saying this prayer. If you raise your hand, please, please pray after me. And everyone else join in. Jesus, I give you my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I receive today your grace and forgiveness. Thank you for going to the cross. You had me in mind. I am your legacy. You lived in light of my life. You died so I could have life. And today I received the benefit of your legacy and that is the forgiveness of my sins that is a clear past that is hope in the future and that is a peace in the present so Jesus I receive that today by faith in Jesus name amen and amen Lifehouse fam let's just celebrate those that made a decision today to have a fresh start with God listen Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.